Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Before we continue with the episode, we, of course, have corrections from last week, which was the huge college town case in Idaho. But we might talk about that on another day because things are just constantly unfolding. I know we were wrong about a couple things, and I appreciate everyone that's pointed that out. And I know there's just been a surge of new information every single day that's come out. Yes. And like we said in the episode, we only were covering what Dateline was giving us. So and we knew really nothing going in. Yeah. So we are only knowing what Dateline knows. So maybe in a couple weeks or as things unfold, we will do another episode. I'm keeping a list of all the new stuff that people are sending our way, which is very nice. The only things I will point out right now, abutment. Abutment is the word I was looking for. Idaho butts is a butt to Washington. I think that's what we were talking about. It wasn't buttressing, and I knew it wasn't oh, it's definitely not buttressing. I yeah, always knew that, knew that it was wasn't wrong. buttressing, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was abutment. Thank you. And also, we have now become in- internet friends with Mr. John Webb, aka Kendall, and he liked the post that I did and was said he loved our episode and he was really, really flattered. And he said, "P.S. There is no jawline there." And I was like, "Then you are contouring fabulously for the gods, for, for the, the gods, John Webb, of the high heavens." Yes, you are. You are yeah. contouring. And there's lots of thirsty fangirls in our thread for him. Everyone leave say. John Webb alone. We think let he might him, be only 17 years old. That might have been a joke. Let him live sure. his life. He could be, he's one of those 17 to 45 year olds. We have no idea. Oh, not 45. 17 to 31. 31. Okay. Yeah. He's very young, we think. We have a hard out at 30. Yeah, but he was very yeah. sweet. So he got a kick oh, out of our so podcast, sweet. he said. That's amazing. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm excited for him that he was born with that face and looks so great on Dateline. I know, right? He's one of those guys that girls are jealous of because we all want his skin. We all want his teeth. We all want his hair. By the way, this hair online, like if you got to look at the Instagram post, there's a curly perm kind of look. I did see it. I did see it. There's I did see the Instagram Several high. There's one where he's wearing a fabulous scarf that I really liked. And then, yeah, it's just, I'm a fan. I love his personal style, and he's, he's a chameleon. Great. He's great. Where is he? Idaho. He is in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Oh, he must just. This is he must his... just rule that town. Yeah, Did you rule that town, John Webb. Are you the king of the town? That's what I think. I think people ask to take pictures with him at Starbucks. Yeah, I would. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, and if you're also waiting for our episode with Jake, it reverts back to what Kimberly said. We just. We recorded an episode asking him questions, and literally as we're recording, new information is coming. So we're just holding right yeah, now. We're in a holding pattern. Some of the questions have been answered, some have not. So let's just let's wait a while. Let's yeah. wait a minute. Heal your horse. Yeah. Heal your horses. Hold your horses. Heal your horses. What is that? Why did I say that? Are you an animal doctor? I don't know. The AKA veterinarian. So this episode is called The Bad Man, and trigger warning, we will be talking a little bit about S.A., and Uh we will be talking a lot about axing someone. So, Oh, also there's a child in the episode. There's also a child, but she's she's okay physically. Yeah, there's some mental mental trauma to a child. For sure, and to all of us. Yeah. But there's some wild stuff too. It's worth hanging in there for. 
So, it's worth hanging in there also because Andrea asked some amazing questions. I was literally writing down a question and Andrea would ask it. It happened twice. Mm-hmm. So she is she is the investigative reporter we all need and deserve. Yes. Or you guys are just so close and you have a relationship that I'm not part of. That No you, comment. Do you talk with her? Prior? No comment. Like, okay. No comment. So this is season 31, episode 15, January 20th, 2023. It's an Andrea. Again, happy to see Andrea concerned about Dennis. Very concerned about Dennis. He's missing like Shelly Miscavige. Not quite, but it's enough that I might reach out. Yeah, I think it's time. And then we have Lester, and he says, this one will give you chills. And I said out loud, I have chills that you're still not wearing a vest. He's he's changing. I know. People now I'm think sorry. it's a conspiracy, and he's doing it just to mess with my head. Ch-ch-ch-changes. Lester changed his vest. Lester. He's growing. It's yeah. good. So this episode takes place at the beginning in 1982. So we're taking it all the way back. We are in Rochester, New York in the winter. And James Krausnick had come home and found his wife murdered. A police officer comes in, finds the wife in bed with an axe to her head. And I thought I misheard it. I had to rewind. I thought, oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. I wrote in all capitals. Whoa. Yeah. I think I also said out loud, whoa. Mm -hmm. Because this is not an everyday. No. This is not your average dateline. And as Andrea pointed out in the episode, something that we always say, all murder is sad and traumatic, obviously. But some are just more, just more. This is shocking. Yeah. This is an initial shock factor because of the choice of weapon. Yeah. A little bit what we talked about last week. With killings in a college town where the reason also everyone is part of the there's lots of reasons why the reaction is so big but the knife is mm-hmm. a big part of it so now let's level up mm-hmm. to a bigger knife <laughs> and which is an axe yeah and also i have to think of the shining yeah oh, i for have sure. to think that the lore of that which when was that released i think it was after i'm gonna guess 85 I have no idea. This is just, this is like a trivia game. 1980, right before. Oh my gosh. Two years before. Did somebody watch that? Has someone been a very bad all work and no play made them a very bad boy? Is that how that goes? Wow. So the detective thought it was fake or a mannequin or something. And all of us true crime, you know, aficionados shouted, it's never a mannequin. (laughs) But that's how rare it is that yeah. this cop on the beat is like, I am I seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah. What's happening here? Yeah. The victim is 29-year-old Kathy Krausnick, so young, so beautiful. And the most chilling thing is that Kathy and James's three-year-old daughter, Sarah, is in the house. And she's fine physically, but she's been by herself all day with her mother murdered. And it's so shocking. The neighborhood was very safe. The biggest crime there was a stolen bicycle. A neighbor had seen a man slowly jogging. She didn't recognize him. And I'm thinking, why is he jogging in the snow? And then I thought, oh, there are people that are committed to cardiovascular health. That is just not me. But there are people who do jog in the snow, apparently. Some. 
Kathy's sister, Annette, is one of our main interviews. And she tells us about Kathy. She gives us the classic, everyone loved her. And the less classic, but also beautiful, heads would turn when she entered a room. Yeah. Kathy met James, who is the king, the heir, the prince, let's say, the prince of the Krausnick carpet empire. A carpet empire. I love it. He had social status, which wow. is so 80s that the yeah. the heir of a carpet empire had social status. But I it love it. It feels right. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of carpet commercials, right? Carpet was huge in the 80s. Carpet was big, I feel like. Kathy's mom told Kathy, you got to marry up. So this carpet empire was perfect for her. And they were all so excited. They had baby Sarah. James completed his doctorate in economics. And I was thinking how excited Kathy's mom probably was because first, he's an heir to a carpet empire and he is also a doctor. My daughter married a doctor. I'm a very nice doctor. If this mom is anything like Joni, she's telling everyone it's a doctor. She's trying to get him to save someone who's choking in a restaurant. And he's like, it's a doctor of economics. She's mailing out cards. Or she's doing a Hanukkah newsletter specifically to mention my daughter and her darling doctor. Uh Mm -hmm. So James gets a great job working as an economist for Kodak. Again, so 80s. Kodak. Kodak. For kids that don't rem- a Kodak moment is what you all strive to have. Or Kodak memories. Kodak memories. Hmm. And if people online were discussing, you keep the Kodak rolls in the fridge because it makes them stay better. <laughs> like you could put batteries and Kodak in the fridge. I don't know. It's a whole thing. So true? people were reminiscing. Police talked to James and he's obviously upset. He says that he was at work and in meetings the whole day. When he came home, he saw a window pane broken and he knew something was wrong. He found Kathy and then he just grabbed Sarah, who was in her bedroom, ran to the neighbor's house to call 911. And at the police station, they're trying to keep Sarah comfortable and they give her like crayons to draw with. And she draws a stick person in bed, which is just so sad. And Andrea is a mother of six. And obviously this is extra horrific as it is to all of us and so she says to the detective this little girl is just and the detective says walking around alone in a house with her murdered mother laying in a bed dead with an axe to her head yes yes she was so blunt call be andrea needs special attention here she is horrified and we find out later that andrea actually has a three and a half year old she has a three and a half year old so the same age as this little girl she has a little boy wow Sarah tells police she saw a bad man in the house with an axe, hence the title of the episode. She said he had long blonde hair and no clothes, and he stayed for a really long time. And then they start to realize she's actually describing her mom in the bed. She didn't recognize. She sort of dissociated that that was her mom, so she thinks that's the bad man, I think, is what's happening. And obviously, she's confused, and she's also only three. So it makes sense. I feel like she could have seen both and was morphing them mm-hmm. together. Absolutely. Long-term listeners of this show will remember my anecdote about children and the bunny. I may or may not have written 
Kimberly Bunnies. Bunny. In fact, someone tried to send me that episode because they found it online, but I couldn't open it. And so I'm waiting for, if you hear this, send it to me again, because I do want to find that original episode with the children and the bunny, please. You have to explain what you're talking about with the children and the bunnies. You can't just drop that and leave it a mystery. We might have some new listeners that don't know. Well, there was an experiment on National Geographic Channel Brain Games, and they brought it they want to show that children's memories are kind of funny they tend to use their imagination a lot more and they tend to lie to make adults happy and so they can't always be trusted as witnesses and they brought in a bunny and they said we brought in a bunny and they said they brought in a bunny to these kids at school and then they interviewed them after none of the kids actually saw the bunny there never was a bunny but they told the kids there was going to be a bunny for show and tell then afterwards they interviewed them and like half the kids were describing how soft the bunny was and how cute the bunny was and there never was a bunny that's messed up kids are liars no so no, kids, not the kids. That's a messed up don't experiment. Don't tell ki- kids you're going to show them a bunny and then not show them a bunny. And then don't show them a bunny? Monsters. No. Obviously, kids should be believed, but they should their memory should be taken with a grain of salt. But they also did episodes about adults, too. Adults witnessing a crime. They staged a fake mugging. And all of the adults said like the most rant that guy had a red sweater on. Oh, that was the guy that did it. And that they have everything wrong. And it was something they je- that just happened, and then they interviewed them as eyewitnesses. We're just not a smart species, guys. All of our memories are faulty, not just children. Yeah. Also, but there was a podcast that my brother loved where they talked about Brian Williams and how he got in trouble for that story that he told about the war correspondent, and he was in a helicopter that was shot down or something. Anyways... They really go into great detail about how people's memories, like your brain tries to connect things that don't make sense. And they interviewed a lot of people who were like at 9-11 or in, and they, where were you exactly? And like, even such a pivotal moment, a lot of the people had totally wrong days of the week, what they were doing, where they were, who they were with. So, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. So people's memories can be very faulty. So yeah. James's alibi. Especially surrounding trauma. Yeah. James, exactly. James's alibi checks out. He was at work. Police investigate a sex offender, Ed Larrabee. He's recently out of prison. He lived less than a mile away. He was hostile, to say the least, when the police go to talk to them. He tells them to F off and get off his lawn. Get off my porch. Get off my porch. I'm taking your ball, kids. It's mine now. Get out of here. So you just don't have to talk to the police. You can just be like, no, get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah. With like a broom. Yeah. And sweep them. Yeah. Sweep them. <laughs> and Andrea asked the detective, did you check his alibi? And he says, yes, he was at work. But he doesn't say what he was doing before work. So it's possible he's not totally in the clear. So does he have an alibi or does he not have an alibi? This is going to be important. Well, then Andrew's like, so you don't know where he was ahead of time. And the detective, I wrote down the whole thing, but it was going to take way too long. He's like, well, if he's not going to tell me where he was, I mean, you can't just say, I where is this guy? If he's not going to play along and tell me where he was, I don't know. I could just speculate. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sir, Andrea is not criticizing you. No need to be so defensive. So then they find, well, they don't find, rather. This whole, a lot of this case is about the lack of findings. They yeah, that's true. They don't find fingerprints from Ed at the crime scene. 
Also, his MO is to do sexual assault. It has never been to murder someone. And Kathy was not raped. So the detectives realize we have a stage burglary. Mark it off your bingo cards. Her purse is spilled over, but her wallet is still there. Also in her purse, I spotted half a pack of Trident and a candy cane. And that kind of made me sad. And film. And Kodak? I don't know, but did you see the film? Did you see the film pulled out? what if it was a different company's film, Fiji? It was driving me crazy because they never mentioned the film. And I'm like, what was in the pictures? What was in the pictures? Maybe I didn't see it. I thought I saw a film thing. I believe you. I feel like I probably had. Well, I didn't. I was not alive then. But let's say I was alive and Mm -hmm. I was old enough to carry a purse. I would have film in it. My memory. Yeah. My memory might be bad, too. There's also a fancy silver tray that's like gently placed on the ground. Nothing is tipped over on it. There's a stack of letters that are standing perfectly upright. It seems very fake. And the detective says, burglars are like Vikings. They pillage. Wow. That's a word. It also didn't even occur to me that that had anything to do with the crime. The When, when I saw the silver, sort of the tea set sitting yeah. there, I was like, why is that there? That's weird. Yeah. Was somebody it interrupt look, it? It, it didn't look like it was... Supposed to be part of a burglary. Yeah. The broken window pane that's on the door and the garage is staged. And we see a crime scene photo. And there's another axe right next to the door that Andrea says, look at this wooden tool. Because she's trying not to traumatize us anymore. But that is also an axe, Andrea. You can say. That's not an axe. It looks looks like like a mallet. No. A tiny little pickaxe. Not like That's an axe. Oh, okay. I would not. I don't think it's it's in an axe family. It's in the axe family. She calls it a wooden tool. Lowercase a axe. Yeah. So not like axe body spray, which is all caps. So it's next to the door in the garage and they think it had been used to smash the glass. If a burglar had reached in, they would have probably cut themselves. There's no blood. But again, they could have been wearing long sleeves or gloves or something but a jacket because it's cold is it gonna cut a leather jacket right and through to the bone what's going on but they think the door was also already unlocked so there was no what need side to was that. the glass on it's in the right side which is the inside it because is. the okay. wooden tool is on the outside so the person whoever staging it did it right but also nothing is taken it seems to be staged Everyone seems to agree it was staged. Yeah. We just don't know why. If searching crime scenes is your thing, but you don't have the time to go to CSI school with Grissom, fall in love with Grissom, his beard, I have the perfect game for you. It's called June's Journey, and it's a game that I am super late to the party on, judging by how many of you reached out with your tips and to say you've been playing it for years. I love it. (laughs) They're like, I've been playing this since 1975, (laughs) right before the centennial, I was playing this game. During the Cold War, all I did was sit around and play play June's Journey. June's Journey. There are 30 million fans of this game, and I am now 30 million and one. You play as this super stylish amateur detective living in the roaring 1920s named June Parker. Her sister and brother-in-law are dead, and she is trying to solve it with the help of her niece and this housekeeper who seems very 
mysterious and I want to know more. I'm suspicious of everybody. I think June might be the killer. Like, honestly, I don't trust anybody. It's a hidden object game. Each scene you're searching is like, first you're searching the crime scene. Why are there three glasses when there are only supposed to be two people there? And then you go to the garden and why is the missing decanter found by the broken gate lock? And then you go to the estate parlor. It's basically you are searching the mansion in Clue. Ooh, my favorite. And the artwork is so beautiful. You're also decorating this island. I have a fancy house. I have a garden with beagles. I have a fountain. I am super posh, guys. I know you are jealous. How many beagles? Two right now. What are their names? I'll get more as soon as I can afford them. Champion and Commander? Yes. Great. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today It's available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games. Join the party, guys, and come at me with more tips and tricks because I want to discuss. Tell me what level you're on. Thank you. It sounds amazing. It's so much fun. Thank you, June's Journey. Check it out. I am on a journey of self-discovery and murder with June. I love it. Playing games is a great way to keep your mind sharp so that you can solve crimes well into your senior years. There have to be other things that you can do, though, to keep your mind sharp. Yes, eating right, staying hydrated, getting good sleep. There's a few others, but this year I'm trying to work on eating right. Here's the truth. I have a candy problem. I also have a cookie, cake, and breakfast pastry problem. I'm aware. And this is an all-day-long, lifelong struggle So I am always on the hunt for a healthy alternative, especially after my latest trip to the doctor. It was strongly suggested to me, based on some unacceptable cholesterol levels, I have to change my eating habits. So if you have a raging sweet tooth like me, or maybe you're a car eater and are looking for something that's a healthy alternative to that bag of corn chips you have in your car, I see you, I know you, Mm -hmm. we would like to introduce you to a mosh better alternative. (laughs) That's right. I am talking about mosh protein bars. Each mosh bar comes packed with 12 grams of protein and brain-boosting ingredients, Mm. like ashwagandha. I've heard of that. Could I spell it? No. But after I have some mosh bars, I might be able to spell it. Ashwagandha, lion's mane. Yes, Collagen, amazing, mm-hmm. and omega-3s. I mean, these are souped-up protein bars. Yeah. And at 160 calories and only one gram of sugar, mosh protein bars are the guilt-free snack that your brain and body will crave. Look, your brain is your number one tool, which is why mosh protein bars were expertly formulated by top neuroscientists and functional nutritionists wow. to support optimal brain health. That's impressive. Healthy body, healthy brain. And they have incredible flavors that you're going to want to put in your mouth, like chocolate crunch. Yes. Wait for it. Peanut butter crunch. Yes. Peanut butter chocolate crunch. Yeah. Combine the fruitures too. It's perfect. Cookie dough crunch. Okay. Yeah. And blueberry almond crunch. Yes. Amazing. And they taste so, so good. Don't settle for a mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. So whether you're... In the car, running around, trying to eat better so that your doctor doesn't yell at you. (laughs) Mosh protein bars will keep your brain and body fit, fueled, and feeling so mosh better. Next time my doctor asks me about anything, I'm just going to pull a mosh bar out of my pocket and be like, bam! 
goodbye. I'm going to drop it on the floor like a mic, and I'm going to walk out the door. It's perfect. So head to moshlife.com forward slash date dateline to save 20% off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack. I love those trial packs because you can try every flavor. Yeah. That's what I want. I'm going to get Joni one. That's moshlife.com slash date dateline. M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash date dateline. You are going to feel so mosh better about your hey. eating decisions. Woohoo! Woo! Thank you, Mosh. Thank you, Mosh. So police then receive a letter in the mail. And again, as is every anonymous letter that has ever been received on any dateline ever, the handwriting is super creepy. Someone is writing maybe with their non-dominant hand. Why is it so swirly? Why it's, has it got the swerves and curves, all the little curly cues? I don't like, like the curly cue for They took the Robert Durst handwriting where he spells Beverly wrong, but then added a weird loop at the end of every letter. It's curly. Yeah. Almost like a child, which makes yeah. it way creepier than yeah. it needs to be. I don't like it. So the letter says, I am a friend of Kathleen. I waited for her husband to leave and I went to her house and she did not answer the door. Sarah, who is three, came to the door, but can't get the door open. I'm a married man, so I can't get involved. What? So a couple things. Kind of hinting that maybe he's having an affair with Kathleen or Kinda. no affair. His wife is just crazy jealous like Jasmine on 90 Day Fiance. And he's oh. the FedEx guy. But he has to set, submit a formal apology to his wife anytime he delivers to a female. And... Since Kathy is gone. Also, he spells Kathy's name wrong. No, he says Kathleen. Right. But he does it with a K and she's with a C. That feels weird that he would say Kathleen. It feels like he read it in the paper because they're using her her formal name mm -hmm. in the papers to talk about her. Mm -hmm. They're saying they would not use, you know, if they if it was a Dave, they'd use David. Right. Things like that. So it seems like he's he just got the spelling wrong but saw it in the paper. This yeah. feels like an attention seeker to me. It does. Or the killer trying to throw off somebody. Throw, throw oh, really? suspicion elsewhere. Make it look like she's having an affair. And then that adds a whole new suspect pool. You think so? I think it's possible. Or it's just someone who wants to be involved. Is bored. The 80s were kind of boring And there were no sometimes. finger there were no fingerprints on dead. this letter. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they checked. I'm not sure if there were fingerprints or not. Studio 54 had closed down. Exactly. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> no but get involved party. in murder cases. Wait, I wonder what happened here. I, sorry, we don't hear about the letter later Ever on again. in this case. Ever again. Ever again. Oh, I so hate that. Have I really want to know about the letter. You're okay. going to have to leave it in the comment section who you think wrote the letter. Please. So James tells... So James told police they were very much in love. They had no secrets. And the family says they were two peas in a pod. They were fine. Kathleen was very stressed. But other than that, they were fine. There is no life insurance on Kathy. So that is our usual motive out the window. But hmm. Annette, Kathy's sister, tells us that James had been acting a little odd. And specifically at the funeral, he pulled little Sarah away from her and wouldn't let her talk to him. And he pretty quickly gets up and moves away, which is kind of understandable. I think they 
made that seem like that was really shady, but I think he wanted to go live closer to family and it was a horrible thing that happened there. How fast did he go? Really quick, like a couple days, I think. And then he officially moved. And now, and is this when Andrea makes the comment? Well, she says, I would leave too. <laughs> she said, yeah. yeah, if my husband, yeah, I would. This was the first thing I agreed with her on. That's exactly what I thought. Is yeah. If this had just, this horrible thing had just happened and my daughter had been in that house all day yeah. alone with her mother. Burn the house deceased, to the ground. Burn, yeah. First of all, kill it with fire. Yeah. Burn it. But yeah, take her away from those memories. Immediately change her Sightline, totally. so that she's not even seeing that area anymore. I would now. Yeah. James says, "Please don't give up. I need to know who did this." But then that's it. So they never really hear from him again. He never calls in the preceding years to check on the case, and they find that odd. He did. He also got a lawyer, and Andrea makes a great point. She says, "Another well, great you, point." They tell you to always get a lawyer to protect yourself, but it makes you look guilty. So you're darned if you do, darned if you don't. Although she said the real word. And the detective says, if you come home and find your spouse murdered, why do you need an attorney? Which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard a detective say, because Because they always look at the spouse. You always suspect the spouse and you always suspect the person who found the body. So that's why he would get a lawyer. I don't know about this detective. He interviews more than 300 people, but Who? he never finds the smoking axe. Andrea, that I love when Andrea says a line that normally I would yell at Dennis for, but it was an Andrea. So I'm thinking, go Andrea. So James takes Sarah to Michigan and he lives with the family. He works at the carpet store. Ampere, the prince has returned the prodigal son, to quote Michael Scott, the prodigal son returns. Returns. And 10 years pass. The main detective retires. Kathy's friends and family bug the police. Her good friend Gloria, this is my favorite. She owns the pharmacy in town. And anytime a police officer comes in, she asks, what's going on with Kathy's case? When are you going to solve it? And then I feel like if they don't give her the answer she wants, she says, here's your herpes medication. Oh, she might. How's that itch, Detective Williams? We might just be out of that Valtrex. Uh Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. You need the Valtrex and so did Sandra from down the street. Interesting. I'm sure your wife would love to hear about that. They upped your dosage of the Viagra? What is that? How's that working for you? Wow, extra strength prescription level diarrhea medicine? I didn't even (laughs) know they made that. And I'm a pharmacist. So I feel like that's what she's doing. We have no proof of that. We have no proof But I love that. None, none. So 10 years after the murder, a woman named Stephanie Kuczynski... Kupchinski. 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 Well, Stephanie seems like an amazing woman. She sadly is murdered, and we don't really focus very much on her. But we don't. I thought this was going to play way bigger. Yeah. Her, she is murdered in a town less than 20 miles away. And again, this is 10 years after our main murder with the axe. So she's she's murdered in 1992. Yes. 
The suspect in this case is Ed Larrabee. Who's now headshot, literally from the 1982 headshot, mugshot we see. Sorry, not a headshot, a mugshot. He, it's him just looking at the camera. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, it's exactly the same face. Like he hasn't aged a day. Right. He just has bruises. Yeah, he's been in a fight. wounds all over his face. Yeah. He's, it's he's like they took Photoshop creepy. and just added bruises yeah. to the second picture. Yeah, he gives me the willies. He just totally gives me the willies. And I should point out, we meet Stephanie's sister, and I didn't write down her name. I apologize. But the she, stepsister? Yeah. And she's super fabulous. I loved her style. And also, I saw on Twitter that she wrote a true crime book about her sister's death. So I think oh, she's, so very, she's very cool. So Ed, again, refuses to talk to the police. Get off my lawn. But he's actually in prison. So he's in prison for another assault. So he's like, get off my, get off these bars. These prison bars are mine. Get away from that, fu- that glass. Stay that- away from the steel. Wait a minute. Sorry. But what year is he in prison that he's being interviewed? It's this much is, later. No, it's the current cops are looking into Stephanie's murder. And he happens to be in jail for another assault that he's done. He's just assaulting all over the place. He's horrible. He's a monster. So the detectives want to talk to him, but he won't talk to them. So he decides to become pen pals with him because he's in prison. And their letters are very nice. The cop says, keep the faith. And Ed says, yours, very truly yours. It was very like a dot burr, a dot ham, which you don't know what I'm talking about. What but is a that? lot of Are people you tell do. me. Is it Buffy? No, it's Hamilton. So, after some coaxing, some letters, and some candy, they send him candy in prison, which is like cigarettes. It's like gold candy and ramen, Kool Aid, candy, cigs. That's is candy gold. like gold? I think so. Yeah. Mm. No, you know what? Actually, on sixty days in, it seems to be those, and I've never had one. What's it called? Takis. Honey. Honey. Honey buns. Yeah. Yeah, Honey buns. Those seem to, they trade those a lot on 60 Days In. They're very sweet. They probably make stuff with it too. So finally, he confesses to Stephanie's murder. Now, they had discounted him 10 years before in Kathy's case because he had never killed anyone before and she wasn't sexually assaulted. But now he has killed someone and he would wear. So when did he confess to Stephanie's murder? Ten years after Kathy's murder, after he, when he was in jail for this other assault. So it only took a little bit of time. Yeah, they sorry, I'm confused by the headshots. We're seeing three. Sorry, we're seeing three <laughs> different mugshots. We're seeing one with him without scars, one with him with scars, and then one is a very old man. Yeah, that's later. That's more current when they're still trying to solve Kathy's case because Kathy's case takes like half of a century to solve almost. Understood. Thank you. So they are thinking, could it be him? And he would wear masks when he attacked women. And that Uh neighbor that had seen the jogger, he was wearing a ski mask. Mm. In 2014, so we've jumped from 1982 to 2014. Police here- No, 1992. 
to 2014 because 92 is the Stephanie thing. Right, but originally 1982 for Kathy's Is when case. she's first killed. Okay. Police here in 2014, this is where he's much older in those photos. That much, much older. Ed okay. wants to confess. So he confesses to killing Kathy, but the information is completely wrong. I read the thing. It's also just gross. He says Kathy has short, dark. He says, like most housewives, she has short, dark hair with glasses and was overweight, which was rude. Size beautiful, please. Thank you. And he also says something else that I'm not going to repeat. He's clearly making it up. Maybe he Mm. Kathy looked like a Barbie doll. She was not overweight. She had long blonde hair. She didn't wear glasses, whatever. None of this sound like her at all. Yeah. So but this confession got the case renewed interest. So investigators are looking at it. The D.A. is now interested in helping. And so they start looking at the evidence from the beginning to see if there's anything they can test, because in 1982, they didn't have all this DNA testing that they have now. The axe had never been tested. And why? Because it was in the 80s. So they never dusted it for prints or anything. They had fingerprint dusting in the 80s. It had never been tested, period. No fingerprints were on it, I believe. So, yeah. Because there were no fingerprints in the house that didn't match anybody that didn't live in the house. Understood. So the FBI agrees to test everything. And there's also a shoe print at the scene. And detectives at the time couldn't, they thought it seemed like a moccasin or some sort of casual shoe like that, but they don't have the internet. So these new detectives have the internet and they can look at thousands of different kinds of soles of shoes. And they find that they match dock sides, which did not know what they are, but they're like- very top cider. Okay. Do Do those words mean anything to you? I've heard of top cider. I think Sperry is the brand. Sperry top siders. Okay, I have heard of Sperry. Very preppy shoes. I've heard of boat shoes. They're yacht, the pre- yacht wear. They're the yacht wear. Yes, yacht wear. So yeah. I watched Below Deck. So they don't believe an intruder in a snowstorm would be wearing dock sides, especially if they are planning to have to make a run for it or doing something like a murder. Also, just you can't walk in snow in these boat shoes. So hmm. there is a pair of dock sides in the crime scene photos that belonged to James. And they asked Kathy's family, and they said he lived in those shoes. That was his signature shoe, were these dock sides. An FBI profiler in 82 had said the killer was intelligent, but not criminally intelligent, which I think should be the new subtitle for our podcast. A date with Dateline, not criminally intelligent. I like it. Yeah. I'm into it. Okay. So the DA thinks there's lots of things about James's thing that just doesn't make sense. She doesn't like that he never called in all the years. Decades have passed. He's never called to check on the case. He is now living in Seattle. He is a VP Mm -hmm. for sales for a lumber company. He's married to wife number four. And Andrea is horrified. (laughs) I was surprised at how shocked she was. I was like, well, obviously, that's also why he hasn't called about wife. He's been very busy. Very busy. But like lots of people to get married multiple times. Yeah. But she's like, he's been married three times since Kathy's death. That's a whole nother can of worms. And it. Well, what did you think was about to happen here? Maybe one of them he was having an affair with. 
Or no, I just th- I thought that they like a couple of them were not going to be here. Oh, like it's he's the widower. He's Correct. Tom Randolph. That's where I thought we were headed. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So this is going in a whole new direction. Forget Ed Larrabee. Mm-hmm. Forget the guy in prison. Yeah. No. So the second wife said their marriage only lasted See, less than I'm a year. I'm wrong. They're fine. She's alive. They have she, nothing wrong with the She wives. comes yeah. into the kitchen with coffee one day in their first year of marriage. And he says, this isn't working. And she says, what, the coffee? And he says, no, this marriage. And that was it. I think that's everyone's nightmare. I think that's literally a nightmare where you think everything's fine and the other person is just all of a sudden, we're done here. What? We were going, we were just at Disneyland yesterday. What are you talking about? That's literally devastating. Yeah. It's horrible. Because you don't know what you did, what the turning point was that like you didn't close that trash can lid one time too many. Yeah. And that was it. And also, by the way, if that happens to you, that's not on you. No, that's on that person. That's on them. Yeah. Yeah. So they the first the second wife says there was no violence ever from him. And the third wife says the same thing. He was a mild-mannered, reserved guy. But it's kind of always those people who snap. But then why didn't it work out? Did he do the same thing with wife number 3? I'm dying to know what like, happened with was he she was serving him soup and he's like this isn't working and she's like the soup and he goes no us. Yeah, exactly. So slowly Kathy's family who had never thought he had done it, start to think he might have done it. The mom says it first, and then kind of everyone starts to trickle and go, maybe he did. Investigators go to see James. It has now been 34 years. Wow. And we're only hearing audio of this, so we're getting B-roll of a kitchen table with three glasses of water and notepads on it the whole time. Okay, yeah, I've got, so you that's feel all like my you're there. I have some things about these setups. I have questions. Yeah. I think it's nice that you see what the room might be like. We're in a kitchen. We we don't normally see this, though. Normally, we see sort of hazy footage. With the subtitles of what the person's saying. Or a tape recorder. We see a tape recorder because the cops were taping it. We get a glass of ice water later and a pen and paper. That seemed about right. But there's two distinct setups that happen here that I was... I mean, it was enough for me to make it my mm-hmm. whole B-roll. What are these? I think that's their new thing. Season huh. 30. What season are we? 31. Okay. I just have some questions about the logistics. That's all. So James's story is a little different, but not by a lot. He says he Sarah came into the room and he grabbed her and ran outside. And previously he had said she was in her room and he went to go get her. Other than that, there's not a whole lot that's changed with his story. But he says he feels bad that he was so scared and that he left Kathy in the house and he didn't try to revive her or anything like that. And he's doing a lot of whisper talking like Olivia. He's crying. He's upset, right? Yeah. So he says their marriage was good. Finances were good. Everything was good. And the the investigators say, we found pillows and blankets by a pullout couch and an alarm clock by the pullout couch that was set to the time you had to get up to go to work. And he says, no, that's not, no, we have a great marriage. And anything else you've heard is baloney. Baloney! And I said, Dennis, or Katie, Katie and Dennis just say baloney back. How funny would that be, a YouTube? It would be a TikTok, and Katie and Dennis just say baloney back and forth to each other. Let's make it happen. All right, Dennis, hit me up. So the detectives say, 
you said there's no financial problems, but we have reports that half a dozen collection agencies were after you. Oh, so something new information going on okay. with your finances. And they said when they bring that up, he starts breathing really fast and shaking and he asked them to leave. Now, I think he also seems like a very prideful man, because why did he get upset in the first interrogation? What made him leave the room in that conversation? Remind me. They brought up this, the robbery, if it was a burglary. And he got he said, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. And he was very upset and they had to calm him down. So that okay. wasn't a pride thing. That was more like a very suspicious thing when they are starting to talk about the how it might not be a burglary. Right. Okay. So maybe so. I don't know. This kind of thing seems to question like, I could provide for my family. Yeah. It's a little bit like that, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and then especially and then how dare you suggest my marriage wasn't good. I was a good husband. Like mm -hmm. it all seems to be he's taking it incredibly personally. Yeah. It just depends on how you're looking at this. It does. Like breathing fast and shaking makes me think very guilty, but it could also just be very upset about the Which line of exactly questioning. Which is exactly what Andrea is about to point out. That was my second Andrea thing is because Andrea says, but this could also be because he's being confronted mm -hmm. about possibly murdering his wife by two detectives for like 90 minutes. That could be causing him to react this way. You'd react this way even if you weren't guilty. Yeah. You'd be upset. You could be very, very upset. Mm -hmm. I don't think you'd be laughing. Right. So at the same time as they are interviewing him, Two other investigators go to Sarah, little Sarah's house in Houston, Texas. She is now 38 years old and a mom. Wow. And they are there at the same time of each of their houses because they don't want them to call each other. They want the surprise element. So right. she she lets them in. She's so cheerful. She says, oh, I was just working out. And she's so peppy. And I thought that's those endorphins <laughs> that I hear about from working out. Yeah. And she says. Or mosh bars. Or mosh bars. She says her memories are jumbled from that time. She said she saw her mom and she maybe thought she saw someone with curly hair. But then she says, but maybe I didn't see someone with curly hair. I'm very confused about what I saw. And I remember telling my dollies that it would be okay. She went in her room and told her dollies it was going to be okay. Yeah. All right. So she said her dad doesn't like to talk about it. And possibly the reason he hasn't reached out to the cops in 34 years to ask how things were going is he's just trying to move on and not dwell on it. Which I get. But at the other side, doesn't Kathy deserve justice? Wouldn't you at least have some invested interest in her getting justice? I would think so. I get the need to move on and not make it your whole life and identity. But yeah. Anyways, people cope differently. People, people cope do. Differently. It's just, it's it's odd though. It is odd that he would never, ever call. Yeah. Unless they just didn't take note of him calling. And that was just a clerical error. Well, and he actually called multiple times. This is now the last set of detectives on this. Yeah. I'm sure it's been through several. Yeah. So... So they start to tell Sarah about the stage burglary, how they think it was staged, and mm. how new science has kind of changed the case. James had originally said Kathy was alive when he went to work, and the medical examiner in the 80s said, okay, sure. New tests show that the time of death was before James left for work. And Sarah says, are you saying that you think my dad killed my mom? And they say, well, we'll get to that. We're just going over the evidence. I love that. She's like, no, can we just 
Just it, tell me. Because it feels like this is where this is going. So yeah. just tell me right now. Exactly. Give, and then they say, yeah. And she sa- she is, wow. Okay. Wow. Not expecting to hear that. Give me a second. And they're saying, take your time. And she says, this is the last thing I would have thought. And I don't believe you. But she doesn't sound like she doesn't believe them. She sounds like she's surprised for sure. But I think somewhere in her, she was not surprised because very quickly she kind of goes along with what they're saying. And she says, like, she never says, no way, that's absolutely not possible. You're crazy, which is what most people on Dateline say. She says, I'm thinking about my kids are going to grow up without a grandpa. That's where she jumps to. And the detectives say, well, no, not necessarily. He's still their grandpa. And she's laughing. And she says, yeah, my their grandpa in jail. And she's doing a lot of nervous laughing. And she says, I don't want you to take my dad away. I don't want you to investigate anymore. And they said, yeah, I know, I know. But, you know, your mom deserves justice. And she said, yeah, I see your point. They're just gabbing. But she didn't know her mom. She didn't know her mom. She's known her dad for her whole life. Yeah. No, her... It makes sense. But the fact that she she says it is does seem weird that he didn't want to talk to the police. I can see that that's weird. And she says, you know, I mean, if he did do this, good people do bad things all the time. And then she says, if it happened, it was a crime of passion. She's just I've never seen a family member that quickly. No, I think she's trying to rationalize. And I think she's. I think she believes what the cops are telling her because otherwise they're here. They must have a strong case. I think her brain is moving at 100 miles an hour. And what we're seeing is train of thought. Yeah. So instead of slamming the door in their face, she's very polite. Mm -hmm. And she's letting them stay and like sort of talk through this. And she's listening and she's whatever. But you're seeing an initial reaction of a very intelligent person who's trying to work it all through. And like understands that logically, yes, it would mean that he did it. But this doesn't jibe with what I've known. So she can't. She's having a hard time. Yeah. It's why she's flipping all over the place, too. She's flipping back and forth the whole time. But really, towards the end, she's really like, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, maybe he did do it. Maybe it was a crime of passion. I think that's how they're cutting this. But I don't know if it actually went like that in the real conversation. Because even in like, she'll say one sentence and be like, well, I don't believe you. But but you know, I think she probably did that a bunch. Yeah. Of, you know, she's taking in the information, she's understanding, she's relaying it back to them. But then I think also in her brain, she's like, but there's no way this is real. See, and I feel like the opposite. I feel like part of her deep down has maybe always suspected it. And that's why she's obligated to say things like, no, I don't believe you. I don't believe that he would do that. But yeah, she doesn't want to get him in trouble. But maybe. Okay, maybe. You know, I mean... But I don't know. Most family members are in extreme denial on Dateline. I've just never seen someone so malleable and going along with what the police are saying and agreeing to all their points, you know? But maybe this is how a lot of people are in first interviews. We actually don't get to hear this a lot. Yeah, that's true. So I wonder. That's true. I wonder if it does flip before they just stand by. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. it flips a little more. It's Mm -hmm. a little more flip floppy and then it, nope. The DA has reviewed the evidence and all the testing showed no outside DNA. So all the DNA that was found on all of the items they collected, including the axe, was just James, Kathy, and little Sarah. There's no one else that was there. 
or they were in a full body hazmat suit, which or they were wearing gloves, gloves, but they never shed a you know any skin, any touch DNA, gloves and a ski mask and a jacket and no hair. It's cold. Yeah, I mean it's possible, but. It's possible to not leave DNA. You have to be very careful. And no one in the 80s knew about DNA. So I don't know if they would know to be that careful. Does that make sense? So the DA is willing to take a chance on circumstantial case, which is great. Everyone is very mad on Twitter because they're like, there's no proof. It's just circumstantial. The thing is, circumstantial cases used to be tried forever before there was DNA. That doesn't mean they always got it right. But there, you can still convict someone with circumstantial evidence as long as there's, you're, there's enough. It's the pencils. Pencil, 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 pencil. You can't break it. But then the other side ha- can't have a ton of pencils too. Right. Because then you're getting reasonable doubt. Absolutely. Which is what you're going up against in these circumstantial cases. So this was an interesting trial mm-hmm. to me. Yes, very. I was fascinated. Yeah. So the trial starts in 2022. 40 years after the murder. Kathy's dad is 95 and he's there every day. He said, come hell or high water, I'm going to be at the trial. They talk about... really cute. I know, it's so cute. The prosecution talks about how the crime scene was staged. The boat shoes match James. There's no outside DNA. That new evidence shows that Kathy died before James went to work. The weapon, the axe, is from their house. It was James's and Kathy's axe. I have so many questions about the axe. They said the axe was located in the garage. Is that correct? Yes. So someone would have had to know where it is, or they broke in. They didn't bring their own weapon, which is odd. Usually killers bring their own weapons. It's strange. No, they said the garage was open, remember? He thinks it might have been... Right, but still, you... You don't bring your own weapon. You just go and hope to find something good. And you happen to find an axe. Now, I'm sure a lot of people in snow areas have axes, but I don't know if you would be like, it's very rare, I think, for a killer to not bring their own weapon. Hmm. So why, though? Why would James do this? Well, they think James had a secret. And he Mm -hmm. did. And he did. And so do you. I do. Because you've got to have some sort of a secret because your hair always looks amazing. 10 out of 10, always, all the time, so cute. Kimberly, please tell us your secret. It is called Kitsch. And I know what you're thinking. Katie usually talks about the beauty products. But 2023 is the year of Kimberly self-care, personal self-care, beauty care. And I've been obsessed with Kitsch. Whatever your budget, whatever your skin type, whatever your hair type, Kitsch believes you deserve little indulgences at affordable prices, which is all about self-care and treating yourself with little things. Now, let me talk about the products that I love from them right now, which is why I have hijacked this ad from Katie. Number one, heatless satin curling rollers. Now, I cut 14 inches off my hair a few months ago because I thought it would be easier to style. Guess what? My hair is still wildly unruly. Thank God for these rollers. I've slept in them, super comfortable sleeping. But I've even, if we have like a live stream, I put them in for just a few hours while I'm walking around the house, take them out, and I have these ringlets. It's unbelievable. It's so great. It should be against the law. I agree. It's criminal. It's that cute. And they're so easy. Because even though this is the year of Kimberly, Kimberly is still kind of lazy. 
So I like easy things. Number two, satin pillowcases that are vegan and cruelty-free. They're good for your hair and skin while you sleep. They help with wrinkles and hair breakage. I have the Bridgerton print one. Oh. Super cute. It's like flowers. Love it. Number three is the game changer for me. It is the satin cap for sleeping. Why did I not try this sooner? It's the best. I have been plagued with frizz around my temples my entire adulthood, and nothing has worked to get rid of them until this. I truly believe it has changed my life. It totally minimizes the frizz, and it's so soft and comfortable. And also, you can pull it down over your eyes, and then it's like an eye mask, too. And you're like in this little cocoon. I've been sleeping at my aunt's house because I'm dog-sitting, and I forgot my cap, and the frizz is back. So I'm going to go drive home and get my sleeping cap. Thank you. It's the best. It's also great if your hair is prone to breakage. Excellent product. Really, really helpful. Right now, Kitsch is offering you 30% off your entire order at mykitsch.com slash date. That's right. 30% off anything and everything at mykitsch, spelled M-Y-K-I-T-S-C-H dot com slash date. One more time. That's mykitsch.com slash date for 30% off. 30% 30% off for the whole Kitsch and Caboodle. Thank you, Kitsch. Thank you, Kitsch. Katie, again, with the self-care Kimberly, I've been trying to walk a lot more, and I need some more podcasts to listen to. Oh. Something crimey? Something crimey and cryonic, maybe? Yes. Could it be? Okay, question. If you had the chance to be brought back to life hundreds of years in the future, would you take it? Is, yes or no right now? Is Dateline still on? Yes. Then yes. Then you're in luck because Wondery's newest podcast, Frozen Head, hosted by Ash and Elena of the hit show Morbid, tells the true story of Lawrence Pilgrim, a lifelong scientist who planned for death his entire life. Because for him, death wasn't the end. Death was just the beginning. Oh boy. Lawrence's dream was to be frozen and brought back to life in the future. Girl, same. Right? This begins a whole cryonics soap opera filled with dead pets, grenades, family feuds, Hall of Fame baseball legends. Oh, my God. I have questions. Are the Kardashians involved? Because that's the only thing this is missing. And frozen heads. Lots and lots of frozen heads. (laughs) This is a story about the desire to avoid death. I would say a very strong desire to avoid death. Extreme extreme desire and the lengths that people will go to make that a reality also what it means to be alive to begin with i'm still learning because it's the year of kimberly but i'll get back to you about that one frozen head is a fantastic podcast everyone stop what you're doing go and download right now it's a fascinating topic everybody has an opinion on this matter and lawrence pilgrim and his quest for life after death Joni, let me know what you think Yeah, Joni, hit us up. Do you want us to freeze your head? You can follow Frozen Head wherever you get your podcasts. And Prime members, you can binge the entire series ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today and download Frozen Head the minute you do it. You know, Bob would love to freeze his head. I got to ask him about this. Oh, yeah. I'm freezing your head. I already have papers drawn on. (gasps) Have you forged my signature? No, it's like sign up a friend, get one free, buy one, get one free. <laughs> oh, okay. That sounds yeah. great. Bogo. Like a punch Bogo card. Bogo frozen head. Yeah. Check it out, guys. So James has a secret. His boss at Kodak was pushing for 
James to provide proof of his PhD. And this is the very week that Kathy was murdered. And you know I don't believe in coincidences. I know. And guess what? He never got his PhD. So I know fake military record is on our bingo cards, but I kind of feel like fake PhD should be included in that. Fake anything that you brag about a lot. Anything that you're bragging about that's made up. Yeah, so like you've been doing CrossFit, but but actually you've just been going to the frozen yogurt place next door to CrossFit. Are you watching me? Is that what's happening? The whole family was celebrating his PhD. Like all of Kathy's family was so excited when he finally got his PhD. And I feel like they are pissed now. And like, you owe me a cake. You owe me a stuffed owl with a mortarboard hat on it that says, Happy graduations. Who's graduating? Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Because that's an owl. I've, yeah. Get it? I don't know what that's the cake said. Good. Like, James is. What are good econ jokes? Bear, bull, taxes, interest. <laughs> I am interested in you, James. Oh. Way to invest in your future. There we go. So, Kathy knew that he was faking the PhD. And this was causing so much tension at home because he was worried he was going to get in big trouble at Kodak. Yeah, of course. Potentially lose his job. Of course. Yeah. So This is a huge deal. They're obviously living in a house that they kind of can't afford, right? right? Which they is, have six collect- the collection stuff. Six collection agencies right. after them. And so he's waiting to get this big job, but it all rests on him. It's obviously one of those jobs that you have to have. No, a well, he had already gotten this for. job, but something about either his maybe his performance wasn't great and that's why they wanted to see his PhD or someone told them you should check no. his PhD. Because the big companies remember your pay scale is based on the level of your education. Right. So maybe the people who do the pay scale were like, why are we paying him so much? He has a PhD. I don't think he has a PhD. Let's check if he has a PhD. Can that's we see wild. proof of your PhD? So... Gloria, her friend, knew this because Kathy had told her about this, how he had lied about the PhD, how he was freaking out about work, and he had been really very mean lately. They had not been getting along. He was sleeping on the couch. Then the police found a pamphlet for marriage counseling, but more on that later. And he had told the police everything was perfect in their marriage and that there was no financial problems whatsoever. So I'm telling you, he's that guy. It's just a pride thing. Mm-hmm. Their theory is that everything was imploding for him all at once. His marriage, his lies, all of these debts that he had, he was going to lose his job. And he snapped like that list guy who killed his whole family. So stress was the motive. Yeah. It was just a snapping situation. Snapped. The TV show. It's a big snap. It is. Because it's an axe. It is. So The Shining came out two years before. Uh-huh. Sarah wouldn't, this is very sad. Sarah wouldn't talk to Kathy's family at the trial, and she is now still standing by her dad. So even though I thought she was more on board, she eventually reverts back to standing by the only parent that she has ever really known. And Well, because the next thing she's going to do after the cops leave is call dad and his new wife, who she is sitting with at the trial, mm-hmm. who they seem very close, mm-hmm. and... 
they're going he's going to explain absolutely everything that she told him he's going to tell his side of the story and she's going to go with her dad yeah that's exactly what's about to happen and i thought it was really nice that kathy's sister annette doesn't blame her she said of course that's her the man who raised her she's not going to go against i don't hold anything against her for that but i was sad that she wouldn't talk to me or look at me that was big of annette Mm -hmm. that was really big of kathy's sister to do that i agree that takes some moral fiber yeah now the but Kathy's family wasn't gunning for James, correct? They weren't like for for years thinking that James did it, right? It took many years for them to think that he did it. But he had really separated Sarah from them from the beginning. Even at the funeral, according to Annette, he wouldn't let them talk. And then he moved away and they really stopped hearing from them. So they weren't going to visit or anything. I think he kept them pretty separate. Okay. So James has the same lawyer who was his lawyer 40 years before when the murder happened. And I was like, get a new lawyer. Your lawyers are so old. I loved it. It was kind of the young team on the prosecution. Yeah. And then it was literally maybe a, a 25 or 30 year age. Difference. At least. Yeah. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But the one lawyer was so crabby. Yes. Just, the, they the were grumpy defense, old men. There was one really grumpy lawyer who was like, oh, he's been doing this a long time. And he's literally the epitome of I'm too old for this shish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he says, the lawyer says he ha- he was a PhD candidate. His dissertation, Here we go. his dissertation got denied and he would have had to just rewrite it and it would have taken maybe a month and he just never did it. And he told everyone that he had done it and he told his family that and he told his company that. This is a lot different than he never had a PhD because everyone's mind, er, my mind immediately goes to, oh, he never went to school. He right. was he was just going out, right. you know? Yeah. And then it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's that he didn't even, I wouldn't, I guess you could call it lying. It's but for I would sure say lying. He fudged his resume in a way that is going to get him in trouble, mm-hmm. but I'm sure in his brain, that's how he worked it out. Yeah. It would be very tempting to do that. If you were that close and you expected to get it and then, oh, crud, mm-hmm. it got denied. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That would be really, he it would all, be incredibly The fact that he also lied to his whole family and everyone, it, it brings about those boys that drop out of college and pretend they're still going to college. And then when their parents find out, they kill their parents which has happened like at least three times that I can think of on Datelines. We should cover one for Patreon. Okay. I have questions. Okay. So what do you think? I think it's... It's not that... I would not probably tell anyone either because I was that close and you know you're just going to redo it. You You absolutely would. finish the dissertation. You you don't believe in cheating or stealing and it's essentially stealing and you wouldn't do that. But I think most people wouldn't, I guess is what I'm saying. Most people would just be like, I'm about to redo it. I literally need two months. Yeah. And I'll and I'll have yeah. it done and it'll be fine. I'm a completist and very honest to a fault. And it gets me in trouble. And I would feel so guilty. I would have the Jewish guilt all the time mm-hmm. that every time I lied to some, somebody congratulated me or so everything was a lie writing phd at the end of my name is a lie my checks my checkbook is a lie my but it's not even hadn't even gotten that far i don't know a year or so had passed at least 
then he what he really needed to do was immediately when he got the denial, take some sort of a sabbatical from his job and finish it. Yeah. Get your PhD. Yeah. And that would be also so frustrating because you've done all this work. Yeah. That's, you've done all this It would kill school. me to not just finish it. it. It would also just kill to have it be denied. Mm-hmm. So it's a set of – it is very – the whole thing is very stressful. I will give it that. Yeah. It, but it's like if you have two credits left and you just don't do it or you have one episode left of The Wire and you've been watching it for six years and you don't finish. Yeah, you know, it's a very tricky situation. And a lot of people online did not think that this would at all be motive for a murder. For me, that it all happened the same week is very sus. And I've seen people kill for less on Dateline. Usually, and there's a money issue too. There's all these debt collectors. So, but there's no life insurance. No life insurance. So, so this is literally someone just so mad that early in the morning someone is sleeping and he goes and puts an axe in her head. They're not arguing. What if they're they, not? They this were isn't the someone before, crime though. of passion. I think they so were. So he stewed on it for six hours, went in in the early morning with an axe, hit her in the head and went to work like nothing was wrong. Yeah. And nobody at work is like, he was really out of it. Oh, that happens all the time. On Dateline, they weren't acting weird at all. I feel like there's some reasonable doubt in this case. Oh, there for sure is. But yeah. I still think he did it. But okay. I'm not saying that I would convict him. But I'm not 100%. But I never am. So I'm not 100%. Yeah. No, Twitter was very divided. I'll bet. What if she said she wanted a divorce? Now he is going to have to pay child support. He's going to lose the house. He's going to lose his job. He is has this financial debt that's going on and he has to somehow finish his PhD. That would do it. Don't you think that friend would know it? She said they, no, I don't know if she would tell her friend everything, but she did tell her friend about the PhD. I was surprised about that. I thought she would protect him and not tell the friend that he had lied about the PhD. That means she's kind of done to me. I think if she, no, I think if she told the friend about the PhD, then she told the friend everything. But if they were fighting the night before she had, and she said, I want a divorce, she hadn't had time to tell the friend that. Yeah, that's true. So. I don't know. They I say. I am sure also that they did ask, Sarah, were mommy and daddy fighting last night? Right. Did you hear yelling last night? Yeah. Was there a bunny in your house? <laughs> did someone show you a bunny? What color was it? Stop it. So. They say there's no case against him. He would never leave his daughter there with the de- his dead mother. Now, I agree. That's it for me. Most people wouldn't. But we've seen on Dateline people kill someone with their child in the next room. We've seen it several times. So I don't I think you can't say they would never do that because people have done that and you never know when someone's in not their right state of mind what they're going to do. Also, he thought Gloria was coming to pick her up that morning for a doctor's appointment. So he maybe didn't think she would be alone for that long. How do you know that? When was when did that come up? At the beginning of the episode, Gloria was supposed to pick her up. She kept calling and she, Kathy never answered. So she figured James must have taken her to the doctor's appointment, even though she was supposed to. So she, maybe he thought she's going to come here soon well not soon it was like six in the morning so maybe in a couple of hours 
But then why wouldn't she immediately call James and be like, where is Kathy? I'm supposed to pick her up. It was casual. She She said, oh, James must have taken her to the doctor. I'm not going to worry about it. But as the day went on, she got more and more worried. She kept calling. Finally, when she called, the police officer answered and said, Kathy's dead. But why wouldn't she ever call James work? I don't think it was that she was that worried yet. But she was worried later in the day. So why didn't she stop calling her phone well, when a- she's not answering and try to get a hold of him and be like, did you take her to the doctor's appointment? I can't get a hold of her. But that's on Gloria. That doesn't say anything about his innocence or guilt. That just says Gloria is worried but didn't follow through. She didn't know Kodak's number. There's no internet. She could have called the te- the telephone operator, I guess. No, but I guess what I'm trying to say is wouldn't then he be really panicking throughout the day? He would expect to hear from the police throughout the day. So I'm he'd sure. Be edgy. Right. But then he doesn't hear, so he figures now I have to go home and find her because I didn't get a call from the police. I didn't get a call from Gloria. So he could have said if he had said, I need to go home and check on my daughter. I think there is a He needed to be at, in, at work all day. I just think there's a particular, you have to admit, there's a partic- particular kind of sadism to this, of leaving your three and a half year old all day in a house for a scene like that. There was it's, another dateline where the yeah. child walked in in the blood all day and they had to wipe her feet down because she was covered in it because the spouse had killed somebody and left their child walking around the scene covered in blood there was another woman where she was missing and they found her daughter wandering the parking lot barefoot because someone had killed her and left the daughter just in the parking lot wandering around unfortunately it happens people are sick okay but i do think that you have an outside knowledge that I don't know if a lot of the jurors have. And that would have been it for me on the jury. Right. Absolutely. But that would have been a hard one to pull. A lot of these cases, we see the jury go, I don't think he could do it because I couldn't do it. Like, how would who would do that? Well, someone did it. It's not even that. It's that plus a bunch of others. It's the pencils on the other side. Mm hmm. It's the pencils that the defense has. Okay, so their pencils are yeah. his PhD. He was very close on. I guess that's a pencil. He mm-hmm. still lied about it and was going to lose his job. So to me, that doesn't make that any better because for him, the consequences were the same. However close he was, he was still going to lose his job. The pamphlet is a red herring for sure. The pamphlet was a list of therapies that you could get to quit smoking, to lose weight. If you were having marriage problems, if you were having anxiety, it was like. That was a mistake. The prosecution. They shouldn't have brought brought that that up because that was that That pencil can break very easily. Mm -hmm. The defense doesn't buy that she died before James went to work. They call four separate medical advisors to say you can't eliminate the possibility that it happened after James left. Mm -hmm. which means they couldn't find any medical advisors to say that it happened after he left. They just can't eliminate that possibility, which means it's still equally possible that it happened before, but it doesn't mean no idea when it happened. They just don't know, but they can't give us a time of death on either side. Exactly. Exactly. So they think it's Ed Larrabee. 
they say we can speculate that he was stalking women and that maybe he was stalking Kathleen, which is, again, speculation. No proof of that. He confessed to everything. And he was a four minute walk from the house. Maybe he was the jogger. Joanne, the neighbor, says the man wasn't jogging with intensity, which is the only correct way to jog. Unless someone with a knife is chasing you, why are you jogging in the snow with intensity? (laughs) He was a rapist, but he didn't rape Kathy. However, they say he was getting injections that were basically chemically castrating him and getting rid of his sex drive. But what that did is just made him more angry. Yes. So that I think I've, I've heard about that. Is that, so I would like to hear if that's true. If it happens, so he killed her because he couldn't do the thing he actually wanted to do to her. I think that they were correct in their saying that hurting women gave him some sort of sexual sensual pleasure. Yeah. So regardless of if he can't physically perform, this is something that gives him pleasure. Is hurting women well for sure so he hurt her in a really bad way right he didn't bring his own weapon so did he go in to just now this is going to be really important on the garage if the garage was open he could have been like running by seeing the axe hanging on the wall Mm -hmm. who knows don't know but i think why did he break the door if the door was unlocked now, I want to know the door who, was unlocked. The police say the door was already unlocked. I'm assuming James said they always leave it unlocked. Maybe Gloria said they also always left it unlocked. So somehow they knew that it was unlocked. I'd like to know oh, more on that. I would, too. That's a good one. Um, That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that they they had some things that would be. If maybe. it is this serial predator. Why would he stage a crime scene? Staging a crime scene is for someone who's intimate with that person and wants to make it look like a burglary. To me, it still didn't seem staged. It seemed like that they were doing things with the silver. <laughs> and she put her purse next to it. I have like no, the really purse was weird separate. Stuff it was just house. scattered every all the contents of the purse were shaken out, but the wallet and money and credit cards were still there. So someone took the purse and tipped it over because the contents were scattered, but they didn't take anything. And if she was in bed, it's not like she interrupted him. Maybe Sarah, the little girl, interrupted him. I would think he... But yeah, why would he go upstairs to look for someone there? No, it's a really good point. I don't know. Unless the defense is right and he was stalking her. She had never told anyone that she felt like she was being watched. He just sometimes would watch his victims, I think, ahead of time. I don't know. You're probably right. No, he. it was a hard case. Why was his description so vague and so completely wrong about her appearance? Oh, because he was dying. Well, they say, yeah, they say he had, it, it had been 34 years, so he forgot things. Probably like five people molded together. I'm sure he heard a lot more women than he's talking about. But the things I've heard about serial killers and things, they remember each victim like very clearly. But he is addled brain. He's getting older. So then why are we believing his confession either? If he is doesn't have all his faculties. Why is he confessing at all? Right. I gotcha. He was promised for this confession that he would be buried outside of the prison walls. Who told him that? The cops did. That How did you find that out? Twitter. 
Dateline producer. Oh, okay. That makes a huge difference. So then I would, that gives me pause. Okay. All right. Press on. So something about that was very important to him, that he didn't want to be buried there. He wanted to be buried somewhere else. Why didn't they put that in the Dateline? I don't know. Time. So okay. they say there's reasonable doubt. Before they read the verdict, Kathy's sister is crying and she looks at Sarah and she says, no matter what happens, I will always love you. And Sarah says, thank you for saying that. And I got a little choked up. That was a precious was moment. Really sweet. They find him guilty. And sister Annette is doing the Super Bowl pose like, we did it. Justice for Kathy. I thought she was going to spike an invisible ball. She's so happy. And the (laughs) 95-year-old dad is so happy. Obviously, the people on James' side are very unhappy. So Sarah speaks of the sentencing. She says, there's no way that a person could do that and then never show that side of their personality again to anyone. Which, again, is valid. But again, we've also seen it many times with killers yeah i think maybe we've seen it didn't the case that was really old the high school sweethearts where the girl was pulled out of the car that one remember and the boyfriend had to come home and tell the parents she went myth was that a one-time thing no that guy had been arrested for other stuff too that guy had other arrests as well they caught him years later yeah with dna years and years that was another like 35 40 years Mm mm-hmm there are oh, no. cases. I there's another dateline that I'm thinking of specifically of a real estate agent who was killed, and the person who killed her. I don't want to give it away in case we do it. Only ever did that one killing, and he didn't want to lose her. And she said, "We're done," and he killed her. And the family thought he was an angel. They supported him. They loved him. They even begged for forgiveness for him because they were like, "He's been such a good." person this whole time we don't want him to go to jail even though he confessed that he did it and that was the only one-time killing crime of passion Mm. i don't know and no one believed it so i'm just saying it's not out of the total realm of possibility even though in our sane minds we can't fathom it right but it's hard to even fathom getting into the mind of someone who would do this in the first place because it's so horrific Kathy's dad says, you've brainwashed my granddaughter, but Sarah, we still love you. James, I hope you live until 100 and you enjoy your new home. He's very sassy at 97. Uh God Uh bless him. And James says, I didn't do this. I loved Kathy with all my heart and soul. And he gets 25 years to life. And the saddest part is that Kathy's sister and Sarah still haven't spoken. And she says, if Sarah's watching this, Please call me. I love you. We'll get through this together. Tears. Because it's still horrible. Whoever did it, it's still horrible. And destroyed this family. It's really horrible. Yeah. And you know, I have to say, there was one thing about this that I really didn't like. The officers that go in, the investigators that go into Houston to talk to Sarah. Mm -hmm. That interview is a pretty long chunk that we get to hear Mm -hmm. of her doing her interview. At one point, I don't like the emotional manipulation that they do when they're talking about your mom. They try to like spark memories of her mom. She clearly doesn't remember her mom. Mm -hmm. And whatever she saw in that room, she has some sort of memory of what it was, but probably it's a mix of what she's been told. I don't know if she actually could pull it up without hypnosis or something like that. And even with hypnosis, there's a lot of false memories that can come up with hypnosis. I can tell you right now, I remember nothing of of being three. Yeah. 
And now I didn't have a trauma then that I know of, but I don't remember anything. I was once on These Are Their Stories. Pick up that name that I just dropped. You've also been on it, though, so it's not that And the case was a psychologist was using hypnosis and trying to treat these girls. And one remembers that she had been assaulted by her dad growing up. She ends up like killing her dad. And then it turns out it never happened. And that that's the nightmare doctor. Oh, I know who that doctor's played a lot of like on. false memories. But let's be clear. We're not saying that people can't just suddenly remember things that have happened to them that they've repressed. No, that this is totally through happen. hypnosis and some other there's some other methods that have since been, I think, sort of frowned upon. Right. Because they like, can do these false memories. Yeah. Right. Because they can implant things. Yeah. Unintentionally, exactly. or intentionally, but unintentionally. Especially if you've grown up in that one side of the family and had no contact with the other side of the family, like Sarah, right. you've been told stuff. You were unintentionally or intentionally brainwashed, essentially. Yeah. So I didn't like the way the cops did it. Right. I don't like when they said that your mom took you sledding the day before and the next day she was going to take you to the circus. You don't know that. Well, they do, I'm sure, from Gloria. But it was Sarah didn't know any of this stuff because her dad never talked about the mom. So I think she was, she will enjoy having that information later. But yes, I can definitely see that it would be emotionally manipulative. Now, don't you want to fight for her because she was doing this for you? And it felt weird. It felt not correct. And I heard her sort of trying to be like, she was like, awesome, cool. Okay, good information. And oh, like, I didn't read it like you, that at all. Oh, sorry. How I felt she said was saying it like that was just because that's what I do if I'm in emotional overload and someone is telling me things that it's like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get what you're doing. I understand. And yeah. it's just like shut down yeah. because it's like, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I don't need to know that right now. That's, I have to put that over here. Yeah. That's just totally not how I heard it, but we're not seeing her face. So it's hard to say. How did you hear? Because she was saying, awesome. I heard it like, that's great to know. That's awesome. That's how I heard it. And I. It was pretty clipped. It was pretty like. "Mm -hmm." But I think that's kind of how she talks, too. Like, we don't know a lot about her. So. (gasps) No, I just know that she's very. She was very polite to the cops. And so she's not being like, F you, stop doing that. Right, right. She's doing this very like clenched jaw thing is what it feels to me but i you're right i could totally be projecting on her she might not have been doing that at all yeah i think we just heard it differently my questions are just like if the if james didn't do it who else would do this there aren't a lot of random axe murderers out there Uh -uh. and it's usually the spouse also who wrote that letter and oh the letter why were there so why was it so curly and does dateline producer have any information on the letter no, I don't think so. Not that I saw. <laughs> it's so annoying. I know. Stop writing letters to police stations that are weird. They're we so weird. Them. They never have p- the correct grammar and punctuation, too. Oh, and I'm it's shocked you didn't bring it up. There's no capitals I's. I is never capitalized. It's lowercase I the whole time. I just feel like if you are the postal carrier that delivers to the police station and all the surrounding areas whenever you're delivering mail and you see that sort of handwriting you're like detective shapiro we got another one you just know just by looking at the envelope you are that letter i probably am if i didn't know you 
and it came to my house, I'd be like, absolutely, I'm not opening this. I gave to a charity outside of CVS yesterday, and they asked me to sign on a, like a board, like, you're a hero. And I was just, my, it's so embarrassing. It's just so weird. It's not good. Ah, but speaking right, of heroes, I do want to say we got some holiday gifts from Sarah, and I really want to say thank you for them. Thank you so much. And also Stella, who has been super generous and donated to A Date with the Bake and recently donated oh. again to this podcast. So oh, my thank gosh. You. Thank you. Thank you That's to so all sweet. of our Patreons and Supercasters and everyone who listens. We appreciate it. Thank you it. very much. We really appreciate it. And we're trying to pump out a lot of new content for you. Check us out because we have some really fun things. Yeah. Do you have any B-roll? Yeah. We got to talk real quick about this new footage. Sorry. We got to get into it. So they've got this new footage of empty chairs and empty tables. <laughs> Shout out to Les Mis fans. That is during the recording of the ambush interview of James. And they go to his house. It's just chairs. It's like a dining room table. Yes. But they also have told us that he's the vice president of a big lumber company, Mm -hmm. right? In Seattle? Yes. Vice president, lumber company, Seattle. Did that seem fancy enough for the vice president of a lumber company in Seattle? Well, it's obviously not his. They staged that or used some... Footage, but you're saying they should have matched it better to his profession. I'm saying if they're going to do this, I'd like to come on board. <laughs> Set to decorator. The, yeah, the interiors, the B-roll interiors unit. And I'd like to be yeah. that unit for them because then we go to Sarah's Houston living room. Right. And we don't see her dining room. We see her living right. room, which was very well done with big leather couches. Uh-huh. It felt kind of texas Big coffee table. Yeah, it was really good. And so I really, I need to know who's doing these. Mm-hmm. Who's who's mm-hmm. setting these up? Is it like footage that they already have that is NBC footage? Or are they actually staging per episode these fake shots? We got to ask. Can we ask someone? Yeah. I really want to know what the editors, how the editors are getting the footage. Yeah. Yeah. Also, do they ever put people in staged homes that are on the market? Because there was one guy who was a young guy and his house, there's no way he lived in that house. And then another episode, or maybe it was this one, there's a woman on her couch and it just looked, the house looked staged. Like it looked like you were in a Pier 1. It looked like a penthouse in Manhattan. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a real house or they have a fake house. I'm so glad that you asked this because I think about this a lot. I just never wrote it down Mm -hmm. because I'm like, if they came here, they're going to just be like, we cannot film you in front of a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, (laughs) for Pillow Talk, 90 Day Pillow Talk, I know they go and do set dressings. They provide decorations if it's a holiday. They will provide a bed board if they don't have like a nice bed board because they're supposed to be in bed. Like they will put a painting behind them. So that's why their houses all look so nice and there's no like underwear and, you know, empty soda cans and all this stuff. Yeah, like stuff. a drying rack. Exactly. You've got the just stuff like that's seven bras hanging off nor- it because Yes, it there's day. always bras hanging, normal people, yeah. apartment stuff. Yes. They clear Mannequins. that out to shoot. Okay. Yeah. So that could be your job. How do we get that gig? I don't know. <laughs> How do we get a gig where someone comes and gives us furniture? Yeah, So exactly. it looks good behind us. Okay, anyways, Annette, I'm literally sitting in an empty room still. I just, I don't have any furniture empty is what's happened here. Empty that is my life now. So Annette gets a lot of B-roll, writing letters at a kitchen table, mm-hmm. writing something. Handwritten letters. Was she the letter is writer? Is she the letter writer? <gasps> is it for? Was that, a, was that an Easter egg from Dateline? That we just figured out. 
I got goosebumps. I have chills right now. Water shoes. Lester water, said water, we would get chills moment. from this episode, and I just full on got chills. But Annette wouldn't do that to her sister because that would put her sister in a – it would lead the investi- – No, Annette would never do that. It's not Annette. No. Sorry. Annette is amazing. We liked Annette. Also, Annette sitting outside staring, mm-hmm. not doing anything, mm-hmm. not on the phone, no coffee, nothing. Mm-hmm. Give her something. Mm-hmm. And then also looking at loose pictures. Yes. She had quite a bit of B-roll. Yeah. Time lapse. Time lapse. That's on the bingo cards. Stephanie's Mm -hmm. cool sister was walking. There's like VHS style footage of the cops walking around. It just feels VHS because it's the 80s. On the autopsy, it said chopper type wound. Chopper type wound. Why didn't you say chop? Oh, and then in the confession that Ed made, he said a housewife had an accidental thing and it was like axe don't be a cute. fatal accident don't be cute when he don't was in his cute, confession Ed. a fatal That's accident no i'm done with that for a lot of reasons also that could be a title but it wouldn't be oh also squirrel b-roll i saw a squirrel running across the street squirrel b-roll i love squirrels oh, oh there we go yeah i've never, I've never seen I that before see the squirrel b-roll yeah hmm. brands unhappy kodak came out pretty well i think yeah they just wanted to verify their employees' education history. Okay. You, they can take it easy, though. It's not really <laughs> that big of a deal. I just didn't think he was worth losing his job over, but that's fine. I think it Especially was his job if he's doing a good job, I get it. But I don't, we don't know. We, don't, we didn't see his progress report or whatever. The first responder to the scene, Marcus, we get to see the first cop on the scene, Marcus, at the very beginning, mm-hmm. who is so appropriately dressed for a Dateline interview that I give him an ovation. Oh, props to it you. It was... Full, it was a suit. He wore like a sport coat nice. and a collared shirt. And I said, Classic. and then I fell back as Andrea was in jeans. Oh. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he felt overdressed. Right. Story of my life. But she was probably responder. wearing like six inch heels with those jeans. She was wearing a boot. She always looks great. You got to ask she her ahead of time what she's going to wear so that you are matched her level of dressiness. I certainly would because I would be like, what color dress are you wearing? Because yeah. we can't both show up mm-hmm. in lavender no, that's that gonna be ridiculous go. we're gonna look like i'm trying to be your twin but anyways i thought that, that was joanne had chunky notch. chain necklace very chunky she did like ll cool j like style like super chunky it's cute you'd look cute in that you think i could i think it would hurt my neck no it wouldn't those are plastic they're super light oh maybe like air you'd look cute in that and also her glasses were cute and you would look cute in her glasses mm, thanks did you see them they were like a blue tortoise mm-hmm. they were cute yeah yeah, I like Jo I like Joanne. Joanne has a really good memory, a suspiciously good memory. Of that r- jogger? Is it too good of a memory? Right. I don't know. I don't People know. We had that van that me. everyone in that other nice neighborhood was so suspicious of. That other enclave. This is an enclave. People notice it, stuff like it that. Is. It's true. All right. Titles. Mine are not very good. And you're not gonna no. let me do one of them, so probably. I've probably used it before too. Let's just say it's a movie with Mike Myers. Oh, got it. But I think I've used it before, and I think it's you not have. nice. You know, I had tried to stay away from it because it feels real It feels wrong. Up. Yeah. What mm-hmm. about the downfall of the Carpet King? Mm-hmm. The fall of the Carpet King? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's a li- I have nothing else. Dock sides? Couldn't get anywhere? Yeah, I couldn't get anywhere with dock sides. About about a certain degree of guilt- a degree of guilt. I don't get it. Degree. 
He lied about his degree. Oh, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. And then PH deception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not good. And then I tried to get somewhere. Here's Eddie. <laughs> That's if you think Eddie did. That's if you think Eddie did. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie did a lot of things, though. So it is here's Eddie. Eddie, Eddie is a monster. Eddie regardless. was a career criminal who really had a problem with women. Yeah. Ugh. This was a rough case. Yeah. It was hard. I'm sorry to all of Kathy's family. This was a great dateline, though. Yeah. They did a wonderful job, and I hope you were happy with it. Yeah. Because they showed Kathy in a lovely light. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they showed Sarah in a good, it didn't make Sarah seem like she was blindly following her father. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets Everybody it. Everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody blames you mm-hmm. at all or thinks you're doing the wrong thing. This is just your choice. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Please don't read any comments online. Sarah, I stay off social media. I think everyone was pretty nice. Okay. But you said it was a house divided on Twitter. So what About happened? if he did it or not. Yeah. What, were, what did the people say? Melissa said the full picture of what happened is starting to develop. Hashtag yeah. Kodak. David says, imagine this guy kills his wife with an axe and then goes to work. The 80s were a different animal. <laughs> True. Oh, yeah. oh, drugs, though. I did Cocaine. think drugs when I saw the purse spilled out and the, the silver set. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, drugs. Drugs. Anna says... And Anna's one of our friends. Lord, give me the confidence of a white man pretending he has a PhD. Oh, that's good. And then several people were making fun of the really old detectives. And Simficious said, the two old Muppets in the balcony <laughs> hating on everything. <laughs> With a picture of them. You know, those grumpy, that's rude. Those grumpy dudes. Oh, they, not the detectives, the defense team. Sorry, the defense team. The one guy was leaning so far forward, he kept almost getting out of the shot. With he these almost guys? Was going, Do you remember yes. these guys that sit yes. in the balcony and The one on was almost going out of focus because he was leaning so far forward <laughs> to talk. He was so intense. Anna says, anyone, if they saw me trying to run, they were running without much intensity. And yeah. Pam said, oh, yeah. same, also the words awkward and wheezing might be bantered about. I was just going to say awkward is good. Yeah. And Paula said, what in the George Santos? There were several George Santos jokes because he uh, faked his, you know, everything. But no Dateline producer? No tidbits? I think I told you that one. Yeah, that was a really good one, though. That was important. Mm-hmm. That has swayed me. Yeah, let me look. Right I have been swayed by Kimberly's really? persuasive arguments and Dateline producer. That's crazy. I listened to good arguments. You had good arguments. You had strong, strong arguments on this. They put a diagram of the house. They put the pamphlet. They put the comparison of the shoe prints so you could compare them. They do cool stuff like that. So everyone should follow Dateline producer. In exchange for his confession, Ed Larrabee requested to be buried outside prison grounds. And then the sister of Stephanie, Rachel Rear, wrote a book about the murder of her sister titled Catch the Sparrow. Yeah. Oh, and there's a photo of one of the cops visiting Gloria's pharmacy when she's yelling at him about herpes medicine. (laughs) It's pretty funny. That's really great. Oh, Gloria. Yeah. Also, the carpet business has been open since 1874. It really was an empire. That is. Yeah. That's cool. That's it. Great job, Kimber. Okay, thank you very much, everyone. Bye, that's all we got. Oh, by the way, when all you guys daily send me the meme that says, now I know what I'm going to do when I leave a room, and it's a bag of cheese that says, stay fresh cheese bags, that's where I got it from. 
So if you go back to the very first episode where I said it, I clearly said I'm stealing it from this hilarious meme I saw. But people keep discovering the meme, a few people every day, and sending it to me. And I think they think maybe the meme stole it from me or that it's a coincidence or something. It's cyclical. Kimberly, you are the meme. It's the the chicken and the egg. You are, I'm not going to say that you didn't come up with that meme. I stole it. No, I always say that. I give credit where credit is due. I I don't know if I know that. That That might not be my truth. (laughs) (laughs) That's my truth. So I never know what to say when people send it to me. I'm like, yep, that's the one I got it from. I think we're going to start saying, thank you. I'm a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Take a bow. I did this. All the memes are copying me now. I'm a comedic genius. (laughs) I was the one. You're the origin story. Every meme, you know, the one of the guy looking at his girlfriend and then he's checking out the girl behind the girlfriend. I created that one. I created- And the hamster with the dun-dun-dun, the groundhog or whatever. You did that. Yep. You've done all of them. They all, Kimberly Mm -hmm. is the origin. You're welcome, internet. (laughs) We did it. She did it. I love it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Mank and I had a funny back and forth about it on Twitter today. He's still okay? Yeah, I said... Or he says he is? Someone says, is is Lester doing this just to mess with Kimberly? And I said, yes, or because Josh Mankiewicz said something mean to him at the Christmas party, Dateline's Christmas party. And he wrote, I didn't even go to the Dateline Christmas party. And I said, because you were mad at Lester? Because Lester <laughs> took you off the invite list? Uh-huh. And he said, you are the devil. <laughs> he gave me devil emoji. That's a great response. I don't know if he's enjoying this <laughs> conspiracy as much as we are, but I don't care. You are. I am. Yeah. <laughs>